0: Father, we're grateful to you that through the marvels of technology, we could spend time together in your word, even though we are not together physically in the same room. So we pray that your spirit will invade our study, that you will illuminate our minds and our hearts, that you will convict us of your sovereignty and control, and that you will set us at rest in you even as we try to figure out how to live in these unusual days we pray this through your name amen so the study this morning is called biblical study while living with coronavirus and i was really troubled about how to put together an adequate powerpoint presentation for you because i the the hardest thing is the opening slide what am i going to do for an opening slide so this is what i came up with and I thought, well, that's kind of blasé. I remembered the other night we asked my mom over for dinner. Mom said, sure, I'd love to come. What can I bring? Uh, we said, we've got it covered. Don't worry about that. Uh, just just come on. And she said, well, then I'll bring toilet paper. And I thought uh, that might be an appropriate way that a lot of people are going to remember this coronavirus as the time of of the toilet paper grab. And then I thought, well, that's not really appropriate. So I think maybe the best thing to do is just to lay out there the idea we're going to do a biblical study while living with coronavirus, recognizing that a lot of people are really concerned about how this COVID-19 virus is going to affect them. Will they be consumed by it? Will it affect their way of life? And so in the midst of dealing with the fears and the uncertainty of COVID-19, I want to put up the Bible with the understanding that we can take refuge in God's revelation and see what it has to say to us today in ways that might help us. So with that, let's flee to Scripture and let's look at Scripture today. Now, a lot of people, are reacting very differently to this pandemic. For some, it's just a chance not to go to school. And that in itself, for some, seems to be a tragedy. Uh, I think some kids are finding that homeschool is not all that it was cracked up to be. By the same token, a friend of mine in Dallas sent me a video, and the quality is not top-notch because I had to bring it down from the, the text he sent me. But James sent me this, and I want you to see it. It's pretty good. Recognizing that parents are also at the other end of those students at home. In the midst of all of this, what do we do? For some, there are storm clouds on the horizon. For some, those storm clouds are a lot darker than others. People are legitimately concerned. The level of proper concern, most don't seem to know. But I've looked at some polling recently, and they've indicated that among the worries of people are, of course, health. And that's health not only for yourself, but it's health for your loved ones as well. People are concerned about their jobs and their finances. Unemployment is skyrocketing all of a sudden from what seemed to be a vibrant and strong economy. I've got a good friend at work who had told me recently, about a month ago, uh, uh, said to me, Hey, Mark, I want to talk to you about my five-year plan. I think I'm going to work for about five more years, and and then I may, uh, I may may kind of go into retirement and I talked to him about it a week or so ago and I said when do you want to talk about your five-year plan and he said no hurry now it's a 10-year plan and I mentioned that laughingly to him yesterday and he said what do you mean it's now a 15-year plan And so jobs and finances and the overall economy are also a concern. The changes that this is going to bring to life are a concern. And a lot of people are just concerned about basic supplies. Are we going to have trouble with groceries and all the rest? So in the midst of all of this, what do I urge us to do? I urge us to consider the following scriptures, Psalm 42 and Psalm 43. Those Psalms, 42 and 43, are what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to do it in three ways. First, we will read the text. Then we will seek to understand the text. And then last, but certainly not least, we will seek to apply the text. Now, I've got a wide audience that watch this. We've got people that are new to the Bible. We've got people that are... Um, uh, strong Christians who've been in the faith for a long time. We've got people who aren't Christian at all who watch it. Um, We've got people who are Jewish by faith or other faiths who watch it. We've got Bible scholars who watch it. I want to tempt you to watch this all the way through to the end. And here's how I'm going to tempt you. I think there's an aspect to this scripture that very, very few people have ever considered. And I'm not putting it in until the end, so if you want to see that, you've got to stay to the end. And so with that, let's start. We start with point number one. We're going to read the text. So reading the text, if we come over to the uh, IPVO, the text begins with Psalm 42. Psalm 42. And it's an interesting text. It's kind of divided into three sections. But Psalm 42 starts out with, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. The Hebrew word for pant is kind of an inclining of the head as well. It's the idea that that, that the deer doesn't want an empty stream bed, but, but when thirsty, desperate for water... Uh, uh, is is inclining his head and desperate that's the desperation the psalmist is expressing for God He says my soul thirsts for God for the living God when how long when shall I come and appear before God my tears have been my food day and night I'm around people who taunt me. They they cavalierly say, where's your God? And then in a move where the head kind of trumps the heart, the psalmist says, these things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God. With glad shouts, songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Now that's the first five verses of Psalm 42. If we took the time to read it, it's real interesting because the whole idea repeats itself. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon. And it keeps on with the same thing. And he ends with, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. That's the same ending. Let's fold it up so you can see this in the text. So we've got the same ending in verse 11 that we have in verse 5 why are you cast down O my soul same thing and why are you in turmoil within me same thing hope in god for i shall again praise him my salvation and my god you've got that same head talk but in the middle of it You've still got someone who's mighty concerned, whose soul is still cast down, who's concerned over the breakers and waves that have gone over the writer, who talks about being forgotten by God, who goes in mourning because of the oppression of the enemy. And that's Psalm 42, and that brings us Psalm 42. But beyond Psalm 42, y'all come on in and come sit right over here if you'd like to. Beyond Psalm 42, we go to Psalm 43. And it's really interesting. So in Psalm 43, and a lot of scholars consider that these Psalms were originally written as one and were just divided up later. Um, Some scholars think, no, there was Psalm 42 and then 43 was written later to bring it to a conclusion. Regardless, both of them start the same way. Concerned about life and talking to God and to themselves with this self-talk. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God so that's the text that we've got and we've got it three times in Psalm 42 you've got it twice in Psalm 43 you've got it once so what I'd like to do now is the second thing I'd like to take the text and let's understand it the understanding of the text is in frame of of the psalmist is someone who's having trouble holding it together the psalmist is someone who is experiencing great struggle has a longing for god that doesn't seem to be fulfilled has a world situation that's causing a great deal of distress and the person is striving to find faith but finding it very hard to do when i was in college uh, i was studying this passage and and our professor said to us, he said, you know, that there's um there's a time where your emotion sends you one direction and it's a false direction. And you need your head to come in and check it. Your head needs to come in and say, Time out. That's not what is right. Now, if we go back to the PowerPoint, I'll tell you this. Emotional turmoil is real. There's no question about that. How we feel is a genuine part of who we are. The question is, what do we do with those feelings? And that's what this psalm speaks to. Because we have a choice. In in that battle between how we feel and what we know, we can let how we feel trump what we know. But that's not right. What we know needs to defeat or lead how we feel. I remember Pastor David uh, Fleming telling me when we were talking about this psalm. He said, yeah, this is what I told my kids growing up. Let your brain tell your heart how to feel. Don't let your heart tell your brain how to think now that's true over and over and over again but the interesting part about this psalm is the way it's set up look one more time with me closely at the psalm this psalm begins with the person expressing their turmoil that their soul is thirsting for God it's a matter of life and death they want to come before God Right now, all they eat and all they they drink are their tears. And so people taunt, but the head engages against the emotions. These emotions are real, but the psalmist doesn't let them win. And so the psalmist engages the psalmist's head and says, I'm going to remember something, zakar in the Hebrew I'm going to remember and that word zakar doesn't mean simply call to mind it means to take action as you call to mind I'm going to remember as I pour out my soul as I'm miserable about the days in the past when I would go with the throng, I would even lead them going to the house of God, the temple, with glad shouts and songs of praise and a multitude-keeping festival. I'm going to remember those things, and I am going to let my higher consciousness speak to my emotional state. Why are you cast down? Why are you in turmoil within me, Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation, and my God. That word hope, yachal in the Hebrew. Yachal means not just to hope, but it means to wait as well. And so I'm just going to wait in confidence that I will again praise him. Now, if that's all there was in the psalm, it'd be a good psalm. If that's all the psalm said, that'd be good i'd read the psalm i'd say okay i got it i'm going to let my head remind my heart i'm going to take action that includes waiting for god and letting god fix all of this the problem is as a human being at least my experience is you can say that to yourself but it doesn't always change your emotions You might still be in distress, and you might still be in turmoil. And that's one reason in particular I love this psalm. In the psalm, we see a progression here. The psalmist says, do it! Let your your mind, your higher consciousness, inform your emotions. Lead your emotions. But then you may have to do it again. And then you may have to do it again. Because the psalmist does it three times. Three times we read this. Why are you cast down? Hope in God. I shall again praise him. You think that's it? But look where the psalmist goes. Even knowing all of that, my soul is still cast down within me. It hasn't fixed the problem. I'm still dejected. Look, I remember you while I move around in all these places. I mean, I'm calling out to you. But it's just devastating me. It's not solving any problems. I know by day you command your steadfast love. I know at night your song is with me. I say to you, why have you forgotten me? Why do I feel this way? Why am I mourning in the midst of being oppressed? And so the psalmist again says, head talk, why are you cast down? O oh, my soul, why are you in turmoil against me? Call hope, wait in God. For I shall again praise him. My salvation and my God. You get a second dose. And I'd love to say after doing it twice, The psalmist is all there. The psalmist says, okay, it took two times, but I got it the second time. I'm feeling better about all of this. But that's why we have Psalm 43, the, the rest of the psalm. Look at it, please. After saying that profound statement of, okay, trust in God, I will yet praise him. The psalmist continues to say, but I'm still going about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy. I'm still uh, uh, needing vindication. I'm still needing you to defend me from deceitful and unjust people. Look, I'm taking refuge in you, but you don't seem to answer. I feel rejected. So send out your light, send out your truth. Let them lead me and bring me to your holy dwelling. Let me go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. And I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. And so the psalm ends, the entire series of three ends. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, Yechal. Wait in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And with that, the psalm is over. Three times, three times it takes for the psalmist to to get to the point of being able to move on and being able to live the way they want to. So within that framework, we've got the text, we've understood the text. But now I'd like to apply the text, and we're going to apply this text in a most unusual way for many people who know it, but have not really looked at it carefully. See, is it fair to take this text and apply it to our life's circumstances? The answer to that is an absolute yes, and I want to give you an example this is a psalm that Jesus used this is a psalm and a process that Jesus used when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane you read about it in Mark 14 32 through 42 let's look at it together please Jesus has um, instituted the Lord's Supper He's just told Peter that Peter's going to deny him. And then in verse 32, Jesus goes to Gethsemane. And it says, as they went to a place called Gethsemane, Jesus said to his disciples, you sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John. And he began to be greatly distressed and troubled. His soul, his emotions. Jesus was a full human. He had emotions. His, he, he was distressed. He was troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful. Even to death, remain here and watch. The comment, my soul is very sorrowful, is Psalm 42, verse 5, 6, depending on if you're reading it in English or Hebrew. Psalm 42. That's, That's what Jesus is quoting here. He's saying, that psalm is me right now. And so within the framework, look what happens. Jesus says remain here and watch and going a little farther he falls on the ground and he prays if it were possible the hour might pass from him. He says Abba Father all things are possible for you remove this cup from me yet not what I will but what you will. And after this Jesus comes and he finds them sleeping and he says to him. Are you asleep? Couldn't you watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away and he prayed the same words. Prayed saying the same words. This is Jesus with Psalm 42 on his mind. With the concerns of of his future before him. Weighed down heavy. And he uses Psalm 42. And he goes before the Lord in prayer. And he comes back. And he's prayed it once. But he goes back and does it a second time. Jesus prepares for The most strenuous event in the history of humanity. The suffering of an isolation from God. Taking on the sin of humanity. Physically and spiritually exhausting. And before he does it, in faith he sets it before God. Praying that when it's all over and done with, the wrath, the cup of God's wrath that will be poured out on him will be removed. That he will be resurrected. But even without his full visibility, his faith is trusting in God to do what God has said he would do. And Jesus experiences that, comes back to his apostles, they're asleep. he wakes him up and he goes and does it a second time. Just like Psalm 42. And a second time he goes off and prays the same words. Do you ever worry that you pray the same thing too much? You shouldn't. Sometimes in our prayers, as we lay things before God, we're not only laying them before God, but we're letting God minister to us on how we should be feeling and responding and what we need to be doing. And so Jesus goes, and if we go back to the story, just in a profound echo of Psalm 42 and 43, Jesus comes back and he finds them sleeping again. Because their eyes were very heavy and they didn't know what to answer him. And so Jesus goes away a third time, and the implication is praying the same prayer. And he comes back the third time and says, Okay, it's enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man's betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And at that point, Judas comes up and betrays him. So, where does this leave us? If we come back and look at this, I'm absolutely convinced that this is a psalm that can minister to you in many phases of life. This isn't only coronavirus time. This is any time where you're emotions seem to be ruling you or or seek to rule you in a way that that might rob you of the comfort of god's plan and his word and i think it's entirely appropriate to pray this prayer during this time or any other time of emotional pain because this prayer gives us some very basic things. Reminds us to look back at how God's worked in our life before. Bring it to mind. Realize that God's not through. That if, if, if God's not finished. That at the end of the story, things for God's children are going to be marvelous. That's the Romans 8 lesson. All things will work together for good. So if, if it's not good yet, it's not over yet. God is at work in the midst of all of this. Doesn't mean it won't be difficult. Doesn't mean Jesus didn't have to walk through the crucifixion with all that it entailed. But it does mean that there's a resurrection Sunday. And it does mean there is a life that's to be found with joy knowing God is in control. So, biblical study while living with coronavirus, we'll be doing it for the next few weeks. I ask you to join us. I ask you to get friends to join us. I'll try to keep each one to 30 minutes. But within the framework of that, this week, the lesson to this is let's continually set before God all of our fears and concerns, and let's seek to live in ways that reflect his glory trusting that he will make our paths straight would you pray with me father lots of folks are in lots of different places right now but i especially pray on behalf of those who are worried those who are sick or have loved ones sick those who fear tomorrow and fear today Those who fear a job, fear the economic fallout. Father, my prayer for all of those is that you will touch their hearts, convict them of your love, remind them of your care, your compassion. Give them a clear direction in which to live and and things to do to further serve you and acknowledge you in their life with a full faith and confidence that you will make their paths straight regardless of the conditions of the day. We pray these things through Jesus our Lord. Amen. See you next Sunday. Thank you, Brent. Thank y'all.